We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. Well, good morning. Welcome to Lotto Church. We are First Baptist Church. What a joy to celebrate together as First Baptist family. I love to see the, the giddy excitedness of the eight-year-old girl and just how joyful she was in saying, this is what I'm declaring with my life. As we get started in this room, if you're not already, would you, and if you're able to, stand with us. Now let's declare together what Jesus Christ has done for us. good news that it's not by our work or our strength but it's by the grace of God alone that we are saved can I just hear in agreement with that hallelujah that's good news let's sing this out by your grace I'm saved by your grace I'm saved by your grace I'm saved declaration yeah my sin has been erased no I'll never be the same you brought me back you have brought me
is no other so sure and steady my hope is held in your hand when castles crumble and breath is fleeting upon this rock i will stand upon this rock i will stand
that you and you alone are worthy of our praise. And as we gather and we worship through song and through prayer and through listening to your word and this conversation around that, we pray that you would make our worship found in spirit and in truth. We pray this in your name. Well, as you know, we've been in a series in the Gospel of Matthew, just trekking through some of the miracles that Jesus performed while he walked the earth. And today is our last Sunday in the book of Matthew. And so we began a brand new tradition, um, the end of last series, where we wanted to wrap up our time in a series with bringing people from the congregation to talk about the impact that the series has had. So I'm going to invite Art and Laura up to the stage. Um, and while they're doing that, let me just say to our new folks today, thank you so much for coming. Um, this isn't normal for us. We don't do this every week, but we're thrilled that we be, were able to do things like this uh, as we wrap up a series. But if you're new with us today, thank you so much for worshiping with us. In the chair in front of you, you should find a little card that says connect here. If you could just take a moment and fill that out so that we can know that you're with us today and it gives us an opportunity uh, to begin a friendship with you. Again, we're so, so grateful uh, that you're worshiping with us today. So we're going to talk about Matthew uh, with these folks really quickly. Um, Laura and Art, tell us just a smidgen about yourself and then we'll begin talking about Matthew. It's on. It's it on. Right? It's on. Ooh. Okay. Um, my name is Laura Kingsbury, and I've been going to First Baptist for about a year and a half since I moved here. So from South Dakota. Um, yeah. I have the accent. <laughs> um, and I go to Daco school Dakota. full time. Dakota. 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 It comes out in soda, too. Um, I, I didn't. I couldn't tell. I, couldn't? I No, uh, no. Uh, I'll bring it out more. <laughs> um, and I work at HEB. And I go to school full time. Awesome, thank you. I'm Art. Uh, my family's been going here for almost 10 years now, and I occasionally teach in the young uh, families class in Sunday school. My wife and kids are over there, so two little ones. Awesome. Well, um, I asked Laura to share with us about her reverse rhythms, and, and let me just remind you in our church family, we do something called reverse. Uh, where we ask our church family uh, to read with us throughout the week a particular passage. This week it's Matthew chapter uh, 20. And, uh, and then you go to Bible study and then also hear from that same text being preached in our worship gatherings. And I just wanted to hear from Laura, um, what are your normal rhythms in reverse? And what do you do when you don't, when things get rough and you struggle with your reading goals? I'll be honest, this, uh, usually what I do is I pick up the book from, there's a devotional book that the church gives you, and that's been very helpful for me uh, in the past, and this, this series I didn't, and I really, um, I, try, I kept up with the reading of the passages as, um, as I, not as much as I should have, but the Bible study on Sunday really kept me on track with that, so I always knew what was going on. Um, and it was really cool to see how it tied into the sermon. Um, but I really didn't, I'll be honest, I missed that part of the book. So if you haven't gotten the book, I would 
highly recommend getting it, but um, I did definitely learn things from the from the series, um, but I missed the book. Absolutely. So, um, but I always love the reverse that the fact, I actually brought a friend to church who hadn't been to church in eight years. And one of the things he mentioned when we went into service, he goes, oh, we talked about this in Bible study. Yeah. I said, yeah, we did. So That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, we've been in, um, we've kind of encountered 13 miracles. Um, and I know we can't remember everything that we've gone through, but um, is there a miracle that has kind of risen to the top or has resonated with you um, more than some of the others? Go ahead, yeah. Um, I think the first one that comes to mind or the one that kind of resonated most with me was the was Jesus walking on the water and specifically the part where you know Peter asked to come out and then he flounders a little bit and asks for help and then Jesus says you know that you're um, you know why did you have so much so little faith you know why did you doubt and um, I think it's that's true of all of us and then the other thing I like to think about with that is contrasting Peter later and how after Jesus was gone and the way that he led the church, you, you don't see those, you know, he really grew, I think, from those moments. And that's what Jesus was trying to teach him. Absolutely. So uh, Danny's been asking this question right throughout the series. Uh, what does this miracle say that the kingdom of God is like? Yeah. Just kind of looking at that, uh, what is God revealing to you or revealed to you? Looking at that miracle. I know that puts you on the spot. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. I didn't prep him with that one, so. No, I think to go back to realizing that we're all going to have moments of doubt, but that, you know, Jesus was there. He was he was close enough to just reach out, so he, he's right there whenever you need him, whenever mm. you have those moments of doubt. That's, thank you. That's, that's an incredible reality of the kingdom of God, isn't it? Yeah. That there's no time where we can't just reach up and, and God is right there. Yeah. How about you, Laura? What stood out to you? Well, so one of the benefits of my living situation is I live with my aunt who teaches a Bible study. And she likes to bounce ideas off me sometimes. And so there was the miracle of when Jesus healed the daughter, I think it was the daughter of the Canaanite woman. Mm -hmm. And it was a really difficult passage. I don't know if y'all remember, but it was kind of wrestled with some language of in response to her request said, should I give the food of children, my children to dogs? And it's like, whoa, did Jesus just call this woman a dog? Like, but the teaching from the Bible study, but also uh, really illuminated the language used, but my aunt made the comment, she said, she said she saw it as like Jesus challenging that woman's faith, challenging her to greater faith. Like mm. it was a gradual thing. And, and by the time that Jesus said, great is your faith, get healed, you're, you know, your child is healed, it was, it was a picture of how Jesus you know, challenges us in our, in our walk to greater faith, challenges mm. us to greater faith. And then also she made the observation that we don't really have another um, ins instance uh, recorded of a, Jesus working in that that was clear in that passage. And so she said, how far would Jesus go with one person? Mm. You know, perhaps he went all the way there for that one woman. We don't know. But it kind of brought home to me how far Jesus will go for me and how far am I willing to go for someone else. Yeah, especially when I think um, uh, in that passage in particular, everyone else felt like she was the one that didn't belong. Right? If if you're going to heal anyone, you don't heal that person, or uh, you don't listen to that person, but Jesus did something radically different, and he celebrated this woman's faith when everyone else thought that uh, Jesus shouldn't give her any attention at all. I thought that was pretty cool. Absolutely. Danny, did you have, have one that stuck out to you? Come on, you spent, man. You spent 13 weeks really studying. Um, they were all so wonderful. Um, that means no? <laughs> I, I, will, I, will, I will say that there are there are ones that convicted me more than others. Um, uh, the story of um, the woman that had been bleeding for 12 years, 
and she had this desperate personal need, and she had to step out of the crowd, even though she didn't want to. Uh, Jesus recognized her, and it became very personal. I think um, the conviction was, is, is, am I daily pursuing a personal Jesus? And I, am I looking to grapple with him as a, a real man in a personal kind of way, rather than just a cardboard caricature? And, um, and so that was very, very convicting. Um, and there are several others like that that just kind of said, be more in Jesus than you are. Yeah, speaking about convicting, um, you weren't actually here that Sunday, but Blake Coffey, when he preached, he preached on the feeding of the multitude. And boy, did that convict me. Uh, he mm. talked about, uh, I think he used a quote from the book, When Helping Hurts. Uh, and he talked about um, Blake, sorry if I completely misquote you, quoting something else, but uh, he talked about, hey, how often I hear this phrase, I'm just not being fed here. I'm guilty of saying that before, by the way. Um, and the reality that it's, it's not a buffet where you come to fill up your plate and to have your fill, but it's a potluck. When you gather as the church, who are you feeding? What does that look like? And knowing that there was a conviction of the disciples who said, should we send these people away? You know? mm. <laughs> hey, uh, it's time to eat. We don't have enough food. I'm hungry. Should we just send them away? And Jesus is like, come on, guys. It's a potluck. And I think just being a worship pastor, in my mind, there's this side of it that the church, when we gather, it's not about consuming, gathering together and, oh, I like this song or... You know, I really enjoyed the sermon today, but it's about contributing to be the body of Christ together. So that was a really convicting miracle in that. Cool. Well, let's talk about um, the reason we preach, the reason we study the Word of God is so that we can be transformed, right? So that we can listen and obey and, and listen and apply these truths to our life. And so let's talk about that. I mean, where was the struggle in this series? What was one thing that you really tried to apply to your life out of walking through these miracles. Whoever wants to jump in. Uh, so I think just over the whole series, the thing that, these are stories we've heard uh, uh, many times. If, if you've been in church, you hear them over and over again. But the thing that, that I saw consistently through many of the stories uh, was Jesus' relationship to his disciples specifically. And the way that the disciples, the way that some of the miracles even seem like, why is this in here except for to teach the disciples something? Um, but all of them had something that he was trying to teach them. And, and, and I saw that very much as him preparing them for that time when he's not around. And they are leading the church. They're taking it and amplifying it even more. Um, but I, and, and that mentorship. So I think that spoke to me in a couple of different ways. One is, is... You know, who am I mentoring? How am I? Jesus was so deliberate in his mentorship. Mm. So how am I mentoring? But then also thinking about the circumstances that happen in my life and the things, and what is Jesus trying to teach me? How is he mentoring me in this situation? And yeah. that, it just seemed much more apparent to me this time around than, than any other. Yeah, I think it's really cool in Jesus's rhythm of teaching that there was nothing off limits, that he would teach out of all these organic situations going from point A to point B, and I imagine, yeah, he does that with us too all the time yeah. if we're willing to listen and not get caught up in the crowd. Yeah. How about you, Laura? Well, Ethan kind of stole mine a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> no, but um, that sermon or that, that message definitely spoke to me in the moment, but also it was kind of funny because I walked out of the doors here and I picked up a pamphlet looking at something someone needs to do something about this. I'm going to text so-and-so. And then I thought, ooh, no, I'm supposed to feed them. <laughs> <laughs> and so I actually went home and um, that week addressed the need that I saw. Mm. And to, to what benefit, I'm not sure. But just the reality that, that, that I do, even though I sometimes... Even now, I feel like, what do I have to bring to this? Mm. You know, what kind of a mess of a life might I have? A lot of times, God wants to use me, 
Mm. Just the fact that I know him and he's, he's, wor- he's in me, that's all I need yeah. to, to make a change, to make a difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, that is a hard lesson to learn because, you know, we're, I mean, we're Western people, we're individuals, you know, we can do this. We can do stuff on our own, but that, that's not the message of Jesus. And we learned that in that, uh, what was that encounter when the disciples were trying to exercise the demon and they couldn't do it? And Jesus was like, are you kidding me? It's me. I do the work. Don't try to do this on your own. And that's the message I think we need to hear is that Jesus wants to use all of us to feed the people and to help them. Um, but it's not our resources. It's his resources. Absolutely. Anything, anything else we want to share as we wrap things up? I think also that our contribution is going to be flawed. Mm. I think sometimes we have to make sure. I, I want to try to make sure that what I'm bringing to the table is the best that I can. But God's been teaching me lately that, you know, it's not about the perfection of what I bring. It's about his perfection in what I bring. Yeah. It's like the, the fish and the loaves being multiplied because of God's blessing, right? Absolutely. I think for me, maybe just living intentionally and trying to, you, Jesus, a lot of these situations seem like they're just out of the blue, but we know that, you know, he was going places because he knew these moments would be there, but he also just found the teachable moments in every situation and was very intentional in the way that he went about those. And I think for me, that was something that I, I'm trying to do more with my children or trying to do more in situations at work and, and being more intentional about sharing the faith or sharing my walk or what's going on absolutely well guys thank you so much uh, for sharing with us could y'all just thank them uh, for sharing Um, we know uh, confidently that God um, isn't just working in Laura and Art or Ethan and myself but all of you as you um, engage the word of God um, and as you listen to Jesus Um, And so, we just know that God is working, Uh, and he's working in you, he's working in all of us, and hopefully, uh, you are engaging God's word on your own on a regular basis so you can listen to his voice. Um, Let's pray together. Father, Lord, as we just wrap up this time in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, Lord, I ask that you help us to align ourselves with your Son and with what he is doing and what he has done. May it not be about us and our, our kingdoms, but may it be about your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Let's go ahead and stand together, and we're going to read this passage with one another. It's not too long. It's Matthew chapter 20, verses 29 through 34, and we're just going to kind of put a, uh, um, just a, uh, cap up this series together. So let's read this. And as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent, but they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes And immediately they recovered their sight and followed them. You may be seated. There are a lot of similarities to many of these passages, and I want to identify just two of them, and then we're going to look back at where we've been this whole series and then ask ourselves a very valuable question. Now remember, these miracles are pointing to something bigger than the miracles themselves. Um, Jesus is using these teachable moments, these really incredible moments of healing, things that people 
had not seen ever before in their life. I mean, crowds were gathering around Jesus as he would go from point A to point B, just waiting to see if they could capture one of these moments, uh, these incredible miracles. They were bringing their own sick to Jesus to be healed. But it, we know that Jesus was saying more or teaching more about himself and his kingdom than just the miracle, right? He wanted to stretch his disciples. He wanted the crowd to see who he was and what he was doing. And Jesus was doing something brand new. Uh, Jesus was ushering in something hugely significant that was greater than those singular moments. Um, Jesus was ushering in a different kingdom than a kingdom they had ever experienced before. He was making a declaration about himself. I'm, I'm greater than all the prophets you've read about. I am indeed the Messiah, but I'm even greater than the Messiah you fabricated in your own mind. I'm greater than him. I'm the son of God. Watch. See what I do. See what my kingdom is like for my kingdom. My kingdom is coming. And so, but throughout these miracles, throughout these miracles, there's been a few things that we've seen over and over again, and it's true in this passage. I'm going to touch them briefly, and then we're going to review um, the first thing is we see over and over again Jesus' compassion and his, what does he do with these blind men? He touches them. We've seen that over and over again. I've not talked about that these past 13 weeks. But this is a really great reminder that we serve a God, we serve a king who oversees his kingdom, who is compassionate, uh, merciful, who has pity on us. Um, and that's something that we can lose sight of. And here we have Jesus, the Son of God, fully man and fully God, having compassion on these men who have been blind for a number of years. His heart turned toward them. He heard their cries and disregarded the crowd's ad admonition, right? Let's don't stop. Keep them quiet. And he turned, he heard, and had compassion on them. That's incredible news for us in that, that Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of David, would stop and in his compassion listen to the needs of these men. We need to hear that. And some of you need to hear that in this room, that we have a God who turns towards you. And there are a number of needs represented in this space, aren't there? Uh, know that, that Jesus just doesn't walk past those. He is aware and he bends his ear towards them because he has compassion. And, and we know that not just based upon this passage and other miracle passages. Even if we go back all the way back into Exodus, Exodus chapter 2 verses 23 through 25. Remember the people of Israel were, had been enslaved for a very long time um, and they were crying out to the Lord. And what does it say about the Lord? <coughs> Verse 23. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God hearing, God heard their groaning. And we know God turned and did something about it. He intervened. He intervened. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. I love that. He saw them. Or we can think in, in the New Testament, in the prodigal son, even though uh, the prodigal son had taken his father's inheritance and wasted it all, um, the father's heart wasn't calloused or hardened toward his son. Yes, he was likely um, disappointed in the choices that his son made. He was likely heartbroken of the condition of his son, but he had compassion on him. And so when his son returned and threw himself at his father's feet, the father rushed in wrapped his arms around him. We have a, a compassionate son of God who stops and listens. And not only that, but he really touches. He gets really personal to bring healing and hope to all of us. To all of us. That's the kind of, that's the kind of king that we have in Jesus. That's the kind of man that he is. We also discover here that 
that Jesus doesn't stop or heal or rescue because we're particularly deserving. The prodigal son wasn't deserving. The people of Israel weren't necessarily deserving. And yet God acts and moves because of his own uh, character and commitment to love and have compassion. And what's true for the blind men is true for you. The other component that we see in these stories often, the similarity, is that when Jesus touches, immediately the people are healed. We see that word over and over again. Immediately they are healed. That's in Matthew 20, 34, right? They're healed immediately, and we see it many, many times. Here's the thing. I don't think Jesus is trying to say something about immediacy or timeliness. In other words, I don't think I think there's more to be said than just to say, as soon as Jesus touches, it happens. Um, that is absolutely true. It absolutely true. Um, but all of us have experienced uh, seasons in our life where we would love God to act in the moment, but He kind of delays, um, or we hold on to a promise that it will be fulfilled later. But here we have this immediacy. And, and what is Jesus trying to communicate? To his disciples, every time he touches, every time he heals, for the most part, it, it happens right away. And this is what I think Jesus is, is trying to say, is that um, I have come to bring healing, I have come for restoration, I have I've come to restore you out of all your brokenness, and you don't have to go to anyone else. That I am wholly efficient in bringing the restoration that you need to heal you of the brokenness that you experience. That's what my kingdom is like. Uh, that you don't have to go to any other princes or kings or other places to find healing. You come to me alone. You remember uh, the woman that had been suffering for an ailment for 12 years. She had gone to she had spent all of her resources in all these other places, and they could do nothing to help her. And as soon as she touched Jesus' garment, she was healed immediately. And what does that teach us? Is Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through Him. And that's what He says. I am the epicenter of my kingdom. I am the cornerstone of my kingdom. I hold up my kingdom. The kingdom is for me and through me. You can't know healing. You don't have hope apart from me. And my healing is complete and fully and wholly effective. I don't do things in part. I do them completely. I, met, I mentioned those two things first, but the first thing that we really encounter in this text, which allows us to really go back and look at what God has said about his kingdom as we wrap things up, is the crowd. Can we deal with the crowd for a moment? This isn't new either. The men are crying along the way. And the crowd, there's a large crowd following him. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and they say, just get these men to be quiet. Get these men to be quiet. Um, many times we can find ourselves in that crowd, can't we? We can be right there in that crowd. Many times we want Jesus to fit squarely into our own agendas and plans and ambitions. We want Jesus to do what we want him to do. Uh, to love the people that we love. Or to be a part of our agenda. And what we find in this crowd is they had their minds set that our Messiah is going to be sitting on a political throne, right? Uh, they wanted him to get to Jerusalem and just usurp the Roman Empire and walk in and set things right in a political sense. They wanted Jesus to, to rule and be a part of their kingdom. They wanted Jesus to look the way they wanted to look, to have the personality that they wanted to have, to have the convictions that they had. The crowd just wanted to usher Jesus along to fit into their own kingdom. But that's not what happens. Jesus stops 
And Jesus says, no, I'm about my kingdom, not your kingdom. And the question for us and the question for the crowd is, are you going to be about your kingdom? Are you going to be about Jesus's kingdom? I mean, these folks were all about Jesus. Uh, They thought Jesus was the coolest thing. Uh, They thought he was indeed the Messiah, and he and he is. But the Messiah in their own mind was very different than the Jesus Messiah that he was. And, and they had just crafted him and molded him to be this certain Messiah that didn't fit into what Jesus was doing, but they wanted them to fit in their own kingdom. And what's true of them can be very true of us. We want to make Jesus in our own image. We want him to fit in our own kingdom. So what is God's kingdom like? What is Jesus' kingdom like? Let's just cover these really quickly. What we've already talked about this whole series, we've said Jesus' kingdom is about reconciliation, about Jesus bringing reconciliation to God and to your neighbor. We saw that when he healed the leper. Uh, We saw that the kingdom of God is about Jesus overcoming spiritual darkness, that there's no place for the enemy in the coming kingdom of God, but he will completely defeat sin and death. And we also discovered that the kingdom of God is about restoring all of our brokenness, not just spiritual brokenness, but physical brokenness. Jesus wants to bring restoration to everything. That's what his kingdom is about. Jesus' Jesus's kingdom is about changing our mourning into gladness with victory over death. He wants us to be glad in the kingdom of God because of the promise that we have in him. He says the kingdom of God is incredibly personal. It's not enough that we just meander in the crowd and follow Jesus in the crowd. But he says, I demand personal faith from you to walk with me, to believe in me. And the kingdom of God is incredibly personal. We know the kingdom of God is about knowing and loving God and loving and serving others. The kingdom of God is not about just obeying certain rules to the nth degree. It's about knowing and loving and cherishing the work of God and blessing other people around us. We know the kingdom of God is about having incredible access to the infinite resources of God to serve other people and not trusting in our own abilities, working it out on our own. The kingdom of God is about trusting Jesus. We know the kingdom of God is is for everyone who will receive him. This is huge. The kingdom of God is for everyone who will receive him, Uh, regardless of of race, political party, or affiliation. God is for everyone who would willingly receive him. But what we discover in this story is that there are many people who love what they saw in Jesus. They like the idea of Jesus, but simply that kind of Jesus didn't fit into their kingdom. So my question for you is, are you for Jesus, but not necessarily for his kingdom? Do you just like the idea of Jesus, but you really don't want to have much to do with what he's actually doing? Are you serving other people? Are you trusting in the righteousness of Jesus, or are you just trying to work yourself up so God would find you acceptable? Are you loving some people and not other people because those other people don't fit your political affiliations? Listen, Jesus didn't come to be an echo of your political party, regardless of which one. He came for his own kingdom, and his kingdom is good, and his kingdom brings wholeness and restoration and reconciliation. And Jesus says to us, the church, he says, will you live out my kingdom until I come? Or will you just pursue your own little kingdoms? That's the question for us as a First Baptist family. That's the question for you. Is your Jesus just a caricature of yourself? Or is he the Jesus that we've walked with and through these past 13 weeks? And are you following him in his kingdom? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for um, Matthew, that tax collector whose life was radically changed 
who then, being empowered by the Spirit of God, put pen to paper and wrote these stories about your son. Lord, may we be reminded that you have brought in your kingdom through what you did on the cross and the resurrection and the life you've lived and how you continue to live in us by your spirit. Lord, may we align ourselves to that kingdom. May we be about what you're doing and not just about trying to fit you into what we're doing. May that describe who we are, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Let's stand together. We're gonna move into a time of response. This is a perfect opportunity to just kind of reflect on those, some, of, some of those questions, right? Do I really get a kick out of Jesus, but I'm really not interested in what he's doing in his kingdom? I really just want to be about what I'm doing, really not what about he's doing. Maybe you just need to take an opportunity to confess that to the Lord and ask him to, to move you into his kingdom work. It may be that you've never responded to the gospel before, and the beauty of the gospel is that the Son of God, Jesus, lived a life without sin. And when He died on the cross, He died in your place for your sin with great compassion and mercy. And He rose victorious over sin and death so that when you put your faith, when you believe in who Jesus is and what He has done for you, that you will know forgiveness of sin and that you will be restored in your relationship with God and your neighbor. Obey the gospel. Believe in Jesus today. Let's all respond together. Let's sing
as we continue to respond and worship, we have an opportunity to do so through our giving. And it was funny, as we were approaching this, ser this series, uh, Danny and I were talking a lot and studying and, and just as we were reading, what are we seeing with a series titled Miracles? There was sort of, sort of this tension we're like, absolutely, we believe that Jesus is still in the miracle business. Can I hear an amen to that? But there's this tension. What does that look like? What does that mean? Some of that is just the faithfulness of showing up and being the church. We believe that as we give to the church that it's an opportunity really to just say, God, you are indeed worthy. And we pray that every bit that is given is used to be multiplied for his kingdom's sake and his glory. The glory of the great I am. So as we continue to worship, both through giving and singing, let's press into that truth. Let's declare that he alone is worthy.
this our prayer. Let heaven come. Let heaven come. Let heaven come. Let heaven come. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.